You get the feeling Celtic are on the way back. The quadruple treble is just potentially one game away. Edmondson and Jones as well. I mean, I saw them today described as peripheral figures at Rangers. I'm sure the club will discipline them and hopefully the two of them will learn their lessons and they'll have a, a future for Rangers. Nine points clear. Everything's going really well. It wouldn't surprise me if you didn't see either of them play this year. Steven Gerrard will be that disappointed. The Goal Radio Football Show with Rob McLean, Darren O'Dea, and Stephen Cragen. Have your say. Call 0808 17 17 700. Let's go! go, go. Lee Griffiths is back in the Scotland squad so is Craig Gordon how hopeful are you that we can win in Serbia next Thursday and reach the European Championship finals that's nine nights away 48 hours away are two massive matches in the Europa League Rangers against Benfica and Lisbon followed by Celtic at home to Sparta Prague give us your thoughts on those as well and uh, looking back the way what about the improving Celtic on Sunday as they reach the Scottish Cup final uh, a game away from the quadruple treble and how significant was that Rangers win at Kilmarnock to open up a nine point lead at the top of the Premiership and how badly has the club been let down by the party pair Edmondson and Jones who've been suspended and are isolating for 14 days investigation underway this is the Go Radio football show between now and seven o'clock it's football chat all the way with Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and Darren O'Dea and you by uh, getting in touch with us in one of the following ways by phone 0808 17 17 700 you can take go and your message on the text to 874 74 or on the socials it's at go football show let's start with the Scotland squad named today by Stevie Clark. I think 27 names. I haven't counted them, but it looks about 27 to me. Uh, goalkeepers, Craig Gordon, David Marshall, John McLaughlin. In defence, Andy Considine, Liam Cooper, Declan Gallagher. He will be with us on the show in about 15 minutes' time, by the way. Uh, Grant Hanley's back in the squad. Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Palmer, Andy Robertson, Greg Taylor, Kieran Tierney. Midfielders, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, uh, Ryan Jack, John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay and strikers. Suddenly we've got plenty of strikers. Ollie Burke, uh, Lyndon Dykes, Ryan Fraser, Lee Griffiths is back on the scene. Ollie McBurney, Callum Patterson and Lawrence Shankland. Here's Stevie Clark talking about the squad. Certainly the biggest squad I've had. Uh, obviously we three away games up. I thought it was better just to put together a bigger squad. I've added a little bit more experience to the squad with the, the three boys that are coming in. And they've got a big task on their hand because the, the lads who played for me last month, uh, who were in the squad last month, did a really good job. Darren Craggs, good to have you on the show. Um, Darren, what, what do you think about that, that Scotland squad? It's essentially the same with a couple of significant additions. But also, I mean, Stevie Clark making the point there that last time, because of some call-offs, he had to dig a little bit deeper and he had to um, you know, get some extra names added. And the, the, the strength and depth is now starting to look pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But uh, if you remember rightly, the last time we were speaking about this, uh, said Scotland's biggest problem is consistency in squad selection, in team selection and in formation selection. I don't think the team will change. I don't think the formation will change. And for once now you're going into a camp and the players, more importantly, will go into the camp probably knowing who's going to play, roughly. Um, I think every time I look at a Scotland squad going in, 
I see predicted teams and they are so different, it's incredible. I think you'll see a real consistent selection now and that obviously comes from results, but that also breeds um, a consistent way of playing um, and I think that's going to stand Scotland in good, good stead. I don't see any of these three coming in and, and starting. I mean, there's, there's a reason now, Craggs, isn't there, for continuity, which there wasn't before because he was looking for that winning formula. Exactly, and he's he's found it. He's found a way to win games. What it would show you is, I don't think Scotland will be prolific goal scorers. You know, so their 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 base is going to have to come from a solid defence, being well organised, being hard to play against, uh, and then when chances come along, that's why the likes of Griffiths coming back, being that natural goal scorer. If you bring him off the bench and that one chance arrives, you more often than not think he's going to score it. Um, I mean, I've looked kind of through the team and you think, or through the squad, and there's probably seven or eight who you think should start or be there, thereabouts starting. So Steve Clark's right. He's going to have a few sleepless nights with regards to making sure players are fit after this weekend. But he'll probably have a few sleepless nights trying to pick his team. Because if you get someone like Kieran Tierney coming yeah. from the English Premier League, yeah. you know, can you afford to not play him? Especially when he's playing on the left side of a back three. Left at the side of a back three in such a huge game. Scott McKenna coming back in, but Andy Considine done well. Declan Gallagher, you think who? You know, you've mentioned coming on. You'd like to think he'll be a starter. Stephen O'Donnell was excellent in the three games, mm. done very well. Callum McGregor um, will probably start in midfield. John McGinn, so is there only one position left for midfield? It's Lyndon Dykes up front, so it's Lyndon Dykes plus one. So suddenly you're starting to narrow down, and you're Darren's right. You can almost pick your Scotland team, whereas previously it was turn up, toss a coin, and hope it works. <laughs> They've got something that works for them. You know, it's all about just continually rolling it out and rolling it out. Three away games in, in, in 10 days is very tough. But ultimately, the first one, the focus, the other two are irrelevant. The, fo- the full focus has to be on Serbia away and somehow manage to get through that. Yeah, Darren, Darren saying that uh, none of the three notable additions will start, and I, th- I think it's difficult to disagree with that. Uh, that would include, of course, uh, Lee Griffiths, who's uh, slowly but surely coming back for Celtic, uh, getting some goals as well. But a heavy hint here from the, the gaffer that he will be starting uh, among the subs next Thursday. No, I think when you when you look at Lee over the years, he's always been a goal scorer. He's a, he's a dangerous player in the 18-yard box, uh, the opposition's 18-yard box. I think the goal he scored against Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago in the league, uh, it shows you what he's all about, really. And sometimes you need off the bench, you need a goal. And with, with Lee in the squad, he could give us that option. Uh, Lauren Shankland in the squad can give us that option. So the more options I've got, the better. And Lee's certainly one of those options. It's just pretty exciting, Darren, to have him back on board again. Yeah, it is. Um, I was watching uh, Celtic play against St. Johnson a few weeks ago and Celtic didn't look like scoring for love nor money. And Lee Griffiths coming onto the pitch, you're thinking he's not fully fit, but you just knew there was a chance coming. And that's exactly what Craig's saying. When, when you've someone on the bench that you know is just going to create a chance, probably out of nothing, any, anywhere 25 yards in from goal, Lee Griffiths wants to shoot. Um so he's a brilliant option to have off the bench and, and hopefully he can find kind of full fitness with Celtic because going forward then he will add hopefully a, an option to start the game. Um, but certainly going into this camp and listening to Steve Clark there, he's going to be an option off the bench rather than from the start. How do you think he handles being listed as a sub-brother? Because, I mean, he, he's a guy that wants to play, wants to score. Um, how does he handle not starting? Probably over his career not very well I'm sure he always wants to start games but I think it's been well documented he didn't have a great start to the season in terms of his, his fitness levels which he's he's um, admitted to um, obviously the managers had his say in that and they've dealt with it so I don't think he's in a position now to to really have too many moans and groans he's, he's at a club in Celtic where there's 
fantastic strikers that uh, Ayeti's obviously come in, scored goals, and now it's Scotland. Lyndon Dykes taking his chance with both hands. He's been fantastic. He's been actually probably Scotland's best player over the last four or five games. So I don't see how Lee Griffiths can have any problem coming off the bench. I don't think he will either. Could training change that? Could a few days, a few sessions before that Serbia yeah. game change Steve Clark's thinking about Lee Griffiths? Potentially. But you would think, you know, looking at when players arrive for international camps, managers will have analysed the minutes played, their general fitness, who's in the best place to go out and carry out the game plan, or how will the game pan out? And the game will pan out for Steve Clark to be in the game as long as possible and wait for that chance to come along, which just drip feeds Lee Griffiths in towards the end of it. Uh, he probably hasn't played enough minutes, no doubt about it, Darren's right. Scotland playing in the front too probably suits him at the minute because I don't think with his, where his fitness levels are and the age he's getting to, that playing as a single striker, you're asking single strikers like Lyndon Dykes to do so many different things. And that's probably not Lee Griffiths' game at this moment in time with regards where his fitness is. So to come on and play as a front two probably suits him. Um, you also think the longer games go, the more spaces seem to open up or players seem to fatigue. So bringing on that sharp figure of Lee Griffiths, exactly what Darren said against St Johnston, when St Johnston are sitting deep, they're hanging on, they're you know desperate not to concede, and suddenly Lee Griffiths can come on and just find that spark, that little space, or find something different to win a game of football, or at least ignite a game of football. And that's what Steve Clark in the back of his mind will be thinking. If we can be in this to 65, 70 minutes, we've got the kind of player we need to put on to try and impact the game. But further down the line, that could be a more than decent partnership, couldn't it, Dykes and Griffiths? Yeah, I completely agree. I think in a two, it suits Lee Griffiths. He always wants to play off the shoulder defenders. He's essentially a player that wants to be in around the box. He wants to score goals. Lyndon Dykes has, um, is more a player. And, and actually in the first couple of games, you felt that he was doing too much nearly. He was running out wide where you needed a focal point. But now with a two, Lyndon Dykes can be that doing the, the donkey work, mm -hmm. if you like. Similar to what he did with Queen of the South with Dobie. And Dobie was the player that scores 40 goals. But Lyndon Dykes, I played against him. He was the one that was causing you nightmares and Dolby was the one that was picking up. So Lee Griffiths definitely could compliment him well. To touch on your, your point about training, international football is not about training. You don't no. go out. There'll be players that'll roll in there. Some don't even train. It's about getting ready for a game of football. It's not about impressing and training. Could you not um, be just? Could you not be struck by his sharpness nah, though? Nah, no. I'd be very surprised if Steve Clark's going into off the back of the results he's had and going into this camp not knowing his starting eleven. I'd be amazed. Craig Gordon is back in the squad as well I think there was uh, something we were speaking about it on last night's show it was fairly inevitable wasn't it the way he's been playing for Hearts generally uh, but also that, that cup semi-final performance at Hamden on Saturday that save from Kevin Nisbet in the first half so Stevie Clark welcomes the big goalie back Craig I've always liked as a goalkeeper I actually spoke to Craig last year when he was at Celtic about his situation and where he was and I just felt that he was very positive about being involved with the with the, the national team again. He, he wanted to be involved. I think he made a big, big decision in the, the summer to leave Celtic and go and play at Hearts, back to his first club. So he's put himself out there. He's got great qualities as a goalkeeper. I think, I think he's shown that in recent matches, but I had no doubts that he would show that anyway because he's a, he's a top goalkeeper. Craig himself was on was on the show a couple of months ago and, and he wasn't hiding away from, from that question. It was very early days, but he wasn't hiding away from the question of whether he wanted to get back in the Scotland squad and thought, thought, thought he could do. Um, he was totally uh, fixed on that being a, an ambition for him to get back. I mean, he's not going to start. Obviously, David Marshall has been far too good for Scotland in the last few games to contemplate changing, but it's a hell of a bit of competition now in the squad, isn't it? Uh, it depresses me. I'm... 33 and I 
I can't run anymore. And <laughs> Craig Gordon's going strong and the he save he made. Oh, incre- <laughs> ah, but it was incredible. The agility, the yeah. save was absolutely magnificent. He looks as he's, like he's on top of his game and quite clearly he's always he's, he's played at the level he has. He's a top, top goalkeeper, still going strong. So it puts people to me like shame. Yeah. Listen, he's a top class goalkeeper. Uh, and I've no doubt that if he was still at Celtic, he would be the best goalkeeper out of the other two plus him. You know, I still think it's a mistake from Celtic to let him go. They've paid a lot of money for Barkas. That that's a club decision, Neil Lennon's decision. But he looks as almost as if there's been a weight lifted off his shoulder. Craig Gordon's. He's playing with a smile on his face. He's enjoying himself. He's back to where he started his career. Uh, you know, he's working under a manager he enjoys working under. He's the experienced head in the dressing room. People are looking to him for a little bit of inspiration. He's the guy that's played in the big games. He's the guy that's got medals, and I bet you he's the best trainer every day. People will look at him and think. Outfield players will be slightly different, but young goalkeepers think I would love to be like him. He's the guy I want to try and aspire to be. Thirty-seven years of age and still playing. He did say in the summer, "If I'm moving, I want to go to the Euros. If Scotland get to the Euros, I want to be part of it." And you speak to I spoke to Steve Davis and Aaron Hughes and Gareth McCauley at Northern Ireland, who had had super careers but hadn't achieved anything with their international team. Their dream was to go to a major competition with their national team, and Craig Gordon will be absolutely no different. So to be back in the squad, Scotland to get through, he'll think. The move to Hearts has been completely vindicated. Has David Marshall um, pleasantly surprised you, Darren, about the, the the quality of his goalkeeping in the last half dozen games for Scotland? Because obviously he switched clubs in the summer. Um, he hadn't been playing for for a while. He, he's been absolutely top drawer. I mean, the, the look in your face probably tells me that you're not at all surprised. No, I'm not. No, yeah, oh, you're right. I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, no, I, I've I've. I think Scotland. That's a position Scotland have been blessed in with Alan McGregor as well. They had the three of them kind of all performing at really high levels. Um, and it, it probably looking back, you, you'd be able to tell me better, but I could never really pinpoint who was the number one. They always had yeah. moments. Um, so they, they're very, very lucky. They had three top keepers. And, and touching on what Craig is saying, I think is spot on. If Craig Gordon, I know his ambition will be actually get into the starting eleven, but see if you're not international football you need good guys around the place you need experience you need people that, that'll help the others because ultimately you go away to a tournament you're away for 40 days you need good people around because I went away to a tournament didn't play I was just there because I was a good guy I think um, <laughs> so um, but Craig Gordon is wealth of experience as he's taught a proper winner really good pro clearly to play at the level he is at, at his age so I think it's a big addition Obviously, his ambition will be getting the 11, but if he's not in the 11, he'll affect the group in a positive way. Robert, see on the, the David Marshall thing, because sometimes we don't watch them every single week, I don't mean we forget about them, but we don't really follow their form as much as what we follow Craig Gordon and, and John McLaughlin if he played, or Alan McGregor, because we're seeing them every yeah. week, we're watching the highlights, we're reading papers. We don't really see what they do, and sometimes they come and they play well, and they almost surprise us a little bit. Whereas we speak to players they've played with, or their manager at the club will think, no, this is what he does every week. So I wouldn't say it's an ignorance from our point of view, but you know we shouldn't underestimate. It's the Scottish football players. blinkers, isn't it? At times, well, it is. It was just because we're so engrossed in our own game. Yeah, we, you know we love our own game, and we'll watch the the Premier League games, and we'll see Andy Robertson, we'll see Kieran Tierney, we'll see Stuart Armstrong and John Fleck and 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 uh, Ollie McBurney, and we'll we'll keep an eye on those ones. But it's the ones underneath sometimes that kind of go missing. So David Marshall has always been a top goalkeeper. If you asked him, is he playing any better now than what he has been done in the last five years? He'd probably say no. This is this is how I am. This is what I've been doing. Just we haven't monitored as much. I think it's a big talking point about whether or not Andy Considine uh, will start next Thursday for Scotland, uh, but certainly no doubt about him deserving his place in the squad. Yeah, I think so. When you look at his two performances, he, it certainly would have been very, very harsh of me to leave him out. Came in, waited a long time for his chance, Andy, and, and did very well for his last month. And is an area that a few months ago maybe looked a little bit weak and, and suddenly it looks a little bit stronger now, which is great. 
So Considine in the squad and, and Darren from what you were saying right at the very top of the show um, it, it sounded pretty much like you would still you would have him in the team as well No, no, sorry no. <laughs> I thought, I thought <laughs> you, did, did I well, No, did, yeah, did, no, did no what I was meaning them? was I was meaning consistency in, in formation and the start. There's, there's going to be a couple of changes Kieran Tierney you have to bring in yeah. he has to play in the left side of three he actually plays there for Arsenal you could argue he's better as a, as a left back but Arsenal play with a three a lot he's played a lot of big, big games you'd have to bring in Kieran Tierney. Andy Constantine, I'd imagine, will drop out. But the, ima- so the amount just, of changes... So you just done a three-point turn? No, now. I just think the amount of changes, there'll be one or two where yeah. normally a Scotland team, you're getting 4-3-3, 4-5-1, you're getting 3-5-2. You don't know, no one can predict what's going to be. And you could throw any of these players, because they're good players. Scotland have a, have a really good squad. See, if you look across the actual squad, you can make an argument for all of them. Um, so they're, they're, But what I'm talking about is consistency, and I, I kind of relate it to my own experiences. I knew going into an international camp on a Saturday, I would look at the team sheets after the game had finished and I'd see Sean St. Ledger, John O'Shea, Richard Dunn had got through the game 90 minutes, I wasn't going to play. And if I saw one of them injured, I knew I was had a chance of playing. And I think now Scotland, the players there, there's maybe one or two question marks, but I think mo- for the vast majority, they'll know they're playing. But I'll tell you what you'll get. You'll get I, mean, a few... I was just marvelling at that voyage back in time yeah. when, when an international was on a Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, the club games the club on a Saturday. Games. Club club games. Games. I made up on a Sunday. But what you'll get is you'll get a few players now turning up for the camp thinking, I wonder will I play? And it might just add a little edge to their training. It might a little add a little edge to how they conduct themselves. Not saying they didn't do it properly, but everything will be on edge for them. And then when the team is named that they're in it, they'll think, I've got a point to prove because this guy done well before me. So it, it, it can just add another layer to what Scotland are trying to do. Um, Scott McKenna, probably, what, two months ago, you thought would, would definitely play in the playoff final. Now there's doubts if he plays, because if Kieran Tierney plays in the left, there's no doubt, and listen, no Declan's coming on, but his performances over the last three games were terrific. Yeah. In the middle of the back three. So it would seem um, strange if Steve Clark decided to leave him out. Scott McTominay in the right yeah, you'd probably think he's going to start as well. So, I mean, that's what Steve Clark wants. He wants competition for places. He does want sleepless nights, trying to pick his team, thinking I've got, you know, three or four choices to make, rather than turn up and thinking, who am I going to play? He actually, you know, on the adverse side of who am I going to play because yeah. nobody's playing well enough. He's now thinking, who's going to play? And it excites him because no matter who he picks, it's probably going to do a job for him. See, it see, it see, makes see, me look- touching on that though, is Scotland were famous for getting call-offs all the time. Yeah. So see if you know... I'm not Scott McKenna. He, I can't. I don't even know the reason he was out of the squad. I'm not questioning his his uh, how legitimate it was. But he now knows that if he doesn't get back in the team, you need to show up yeah. to play. And you've got players that'll go in, and Steve Clark will leave them in, and he'll say, "No, you've performed for me." And that's why I don't buy into international football being about their club form. It's not. It's about their international form. And this international team is in a really good vein yeah. of form. And it's no surprise when <laughs> we had it with Northern Ireland. We went 14 games without scoring a goal. You couldn't get players to turn up for loving the money. Suddenly you won two games in a row. The next time the manager names a squad, you've got 22 players saying, I'm fit, I'm fit. Because everybody wants to be part of something successful. And we have spoken in the show previously about carrying that burden of playing for Scotland, turning up and thinking, oh no, things are going to go poorly. The press are going to be honest. I'm going back to my club. I'll be a little bit depressed. I won't be feeling good about myself. Now you've suddenly got players thinking, I'm desperate to be part of it. I want to go back with that winning feeling because Steve Clark has managed to turn the tide and turn the mentality. And players, you know, we said it again, players look as if they're actually enjoying international football, which you know, when was the last time you could say that about a Scotland team? Exactly. It's incredible how quickly the complexion changes. What do you think about that Scotland squad named today by Stevie Clark? You might want to talk about Celtic uh, getting to yet another cup final at the weekend or Rangers moving nine points clear at the top of the Premiership. 0808 17 17 700. And one of those Scotland stars, Declan Gallagher, is with us next. 
The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! On the Tuesday show, we're looking back, we're looking forward as well. Looking back on those Scottish Cup semi-final results at the weekend. Hearts 2 Hibs 1 after extra time. Uh, the championship side are heading back to Hamden for the final where they will play Celtic. 2-0 winners on Sunday against Aberdeen. Uh, Celtic on the improve, no doubt about that, in the last couple of games after the first half in France against Lille. And uh, more European challenges just around the corner. Uh, big win for Motherwell at the weekend as well I think that's four out of five crags if I'm right in saying for Stephen Robinson and his team uh, Dundee United with a, a badly needed win as well against Ross County two goals to one and also on Sunday in the Premiership Kilmarnock nil Rangers won it's a nine point lead now for Stephen Gerrard's team uh, Celtic have two games in hand those upcoming Europa League matches five to six on Thursday it's two days away Benfica against Rangers is first in Lisbon followed by Celtic at home to Sparta Prague and that is an 8 o'clock kickoff. a Scotland squad named today by Stevie Clark as well 27 names I guess most interesting the recall of uh, Craig Gordon no great surprise uh, Lee Griffiths uh, back on the scene no great surprise and uh, maybe slightly surprising but not if you've seen him play according to Stevie Clark Grant Hanley the Norwich City skipper is back in the squad as well and as we've been saying in the first 20 minutes lots of competition for places it's looking a really impressive squad Declan Gallagher how are you doing? How are we? Well we've got you in the team already we've got you as a stick-on starter for next Thursday does that sound okay? Ah, uh, it sounds not bad to me I'm happy with that <laughs> What, what are you reckoning to the squad? I mean, we're just talking about the the additional names and just the, the competition for places uh, and, and where once we were scraping around looking for centre-backs and strikers, um, suddenly we're struggling to fit them all in. Yeah, it just shows you the, the talent that we've got. Obviously, bringing in the, the Norwich captain and Grant Hanley is obviously massive for the squad as well. And obviously, Andy Considine keeping his place after I've been unbelievable in the last two games so uh, there's a lot of competition for places but it'll only make it better for Scotland How excited are you about it Declan? Uh, well obviously it's a, it's a dream come true but the fact uh, playing in a game this big is is massive obviously for me personally and the full of Scotland uh, so being part of that it's, it's unbelievable and uh, I can't wait for that Got the former uh, Motherwell skipper, of course, Stephen Cragen, with me in the studio. Got Darren Adee, uh, who for about seven and a half minutes, I think, was a, was a coach at Motherwell. And I think he's claiming maybe some credit for your development. Is that right, Darren? Dickie, my mere presence in that club <laughs> turned you into an international defender. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely, mate. Just honestly, the guidance you brought to the club in the seven minutes you were there was fantastic, mate. Honestly. I work fast. I work fast. <laughs> You do, mate, you do, in all aspects of life, so I've been told. But <laughs> oh, let's not, let's not delve any deeper into that one. But, uh, but Craig's incredible. I mean, you know, we can't see him blushing on the radio, but after a handful of caps, it's incredible how far Declan's mm. come to the point that, I mean, for me, there, there's just no um, contemplation of yeah. leaving him out uh, for, for next Thursday. So, so calm and composed has he been at the heart of that defence? Well, I think what probably helped him is his experience in club football too. Um, you know, if you can go in the international football as a youngster, you can make mistakes, it can scar you a little bit, it can put you off. But I think it's fair to say he's battle-hardened. You know, he's worked ever so hard to get where he is. 
any time he's took a step forward, it, you know, he's just took to it. Uh, you know, hasn't phased him at all. So I think taking that step up to international football, I'm not saying he'll feel like an international player, but he'll have no fears about it because he's playing well. And I think his form since he came back to Motherwell, uh, since those three games has been absolutely terrific. Two wins, two clean sheets. Um, you know, Stephen Robinson was complimenting him at the weekend saying how well he'd done. He was a rock at the back. So that just shows that you can gain your confidence from international football. Declan's done that. And you're right, listen, if he doesn't start against uh, Serbia away from home, I'd be amazingly surprised. And is that right, Declan? Is that the way it's kind of worked for you recently that actually the confidence you've taken from international football has helped you uh, develop, you know, in terms of the way you've been playing for Motherwell? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, at the start of the season, obviously, at Motherwell, we started a wee bit slowly. Uh, I don't think we were bad in any way, shape or form, but I think uh, we were maybe down in our luck a wee bit and a lot of boys were low in confidence. I think going away with Scotland and playing the three games and doing as well as I did, uh, it brought my confidence up a lot and obviously I, I took that back to Motherwell and I think it's shown in the last uh, two performances with us that we're, we're back on track and um, back to where we probably should be and that's pushing into the, the top six. And we were just saying, Darren, before the break there that, that you don't have to go very far back uh, to think that the likes of Scott McKenna was an absolute stick-on to start for Scotland and, and now, because he's missed out through injury last time, he, he's struggling to get back in. Yeah, well, I didn't think anyone was a stick-on for Scotland because the, you never knew who was going to show up. You never, as I said, there was no consistency whatsoever. I think now what you're seeing is consistent selection and let's not let's not kid ourselves on the fact that they're winning is it helps the the selection to be consistent. But yeah, I, I think it'll it'll be a big big call on the ones that have to come into the the starting eleven because that team performed really really well has got them into this position, um, and it's going to be a big call to leave any of them out. So absolutely, I think I think it'll stand Scotland in, uh, in the long in the long run really really well. Stevie Clark making a point today of not just uh, uh, laying down the importance of next Thursday, which, which we all know it's uh, it's one game away from uh, the European Championship finals, but the other two games as well. Sometimes they're referred to as the other two games, but because uh, we're on a good little run here, um, the prospects are uh, pretty impressive for Scotland in terms of what can uh, come through from those couple of games as well. Not important to me personally, but um, obviously very, very important that that as a as a group, everyone together, we, we try and deliver what the what the Tartan Army want, which is to be in the the final major tournament again after a long, long wait. And that's that's what we're going to try and deliver. And on the back of that we've then got two really important games where we can win the, the League B section, which would get us promotion into the A group, which would be great for the for the country, would be great for the coefficient and, and would help us in, in future qualifying campaigns. I think when this Declan, when this whole phase uh, started a couple of months ago, I wasn't entirely sure what these nation leagues games meant. To be honest, uh, it was fairly obvious what the semi-final against Israel uh, meant, and then it was, of course, Norway or, or Serbia in the final. But as time has gone by, I think we've begin we've begun to understand it a little bit better that that um, the, these other two games are really important as well, and Scotland Scotland are on a general progression. Definitely, yeah. Um, as I say, I, I don't think many people knew what uh, the Nations League actually brought until it was explained properly. But uh, yeah, the Nations League is very important. But obviously, you know that this game against Serbia is the main game. Obviously, it's it's to get to a, a major tournament, which at the end of the day is the end goal. Uh, the next two games, obviously, we have to win them. We have to keep the momentum going. 
Uh, like we've been doing, obviously, eight games unbeaten, so obviously we'll be wanting to win these next three games as well. But Serbia will be the main one, but I think, obviously, as I said there in his interview, getting the FIFA points, getting up the rankings, it's it's massive for Scotland. And obviously, that potential chance of getting a playoff place for the, the World Cup as well is obviously massive, as you can see, we are one game away from potentially within the Euros because of the Nations League. It's obviously a great feeling to have the likes of Craig Gordon and Lee Griffiths back in the squad. Yeah, definitely. Two experienced players, two very, very good players. Obviously, Craig's away now playing for Hearts week in, week out, and he was unbelievable the other day there in the, the semi-final. And then obviously Lee Griffiths coming back to fitness as well, and that goal he scored against Aberdeen at the weekend just highlights the quality that he's got. So having those two apart of the squad is, is a massive boost for us. That was a special uh, goal from Griffiths up at Aberdeen, wasn't it? That was that was just classically Griffiths, Darren. Yeah, he's capable he's capable of, of many, many goals. He scores St. Johnson with his head as well. He's he's a top, top striker. He's it's been well documented. His fitness levels haven't been right, but he seems to be getting onto the right side of it now. So hopefully for Celtic, you can see more starts and that'll that'll feed well into Scotland. Who knows, off the back of, the, obviously the most important game is Serbia, but the next two games, you might find a start after the Serbian game with Scotland. So um, the quicker Scotland and Celtic can get him fitter, he's a big asset for both. It's funny, that looking back, not so far, Stevie Clark was looking for a way to fit Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson into the Scotland team. Um, now he's found a system without Kieran Tierney being involved in it, uh, into which, presumably, he can slip the Arsenal man back in. Would, would, would that? I know Andy Considine was fantastic, and there, there's, there's, there's no reason to drop him, uh, Declan, other than the fact that, that uh, Kieran Tierney is absolutely top drawer, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, he's, <laughs> he's one of the best players about, isn't he? He's obviously playing for Arsenal, and there's a reason for that. Uh, at the end of the day, Andy done amazing, so he's he's gave the manager a headache, but it's it's a good headache at the end of the day to have players uh, playing at the top level, and obviously players that are doing well in the, the Scottish league as well. So it's uh, it's going to be a headache, and it's it's one that I wouldn't like to be in. But at the end of the day, it's good that there's so much competition for places. Scott McTominay has come on a ton, hasn't he? And uh, Craig's in that back three, and uh, the fact that he's mastered the defensive side of it, the the other side of the game was always going to come fairly easily to him yeah. in terms of stepping into midfield and starting stuff off. Well, he's just so athletic, isn't he? You know, he's so fit, uh, and I think when you watched him in the previous game, playing at centre half, he looked a little bit lost. But Steve Clark obviously had a plan in his head and thought, well, I'm going to have to play him. He's going to have to make mistakes. I'm going to have some things to work with him on to try and coach him through it and talk to him through it there's no point in playing him two games and never playing him there again if you've got a long term plan of playing him as a right centre half because he's quite you know comfortable to go into the full back area and defend as a full back he's decent in possession he's good in the air you know he can play a high line if he has to he won't get done in behind because he's good recovery pace so he has all the attributes to play as a centre half and physically he's able for it you know would he prefer to play midfield probably but ultimately when he's came away from Scotland you know, he's decided that you know the team is the most important thing. I'll play with the manager once. I'm sure he's had a good conversation with Steve Clark, um, and if he can fulfil his role against Serbia, which is going to be tough because they, listen, they're going to be a good side. They're going to fancy the chances. They went to Norway and won two one, and I think Norway had lost one in 22 games at home. So they show steeliness. They showed they're a good side. Um, so everybody who plays on that night is going to have to be at the top of their game, and it means Scott McTominay playing as a right centre half and Scotland being successful. Then so be it. It's almost like back to the old days, isn't it? With a, a Manchester United and a, mm. an Arsenal player on either side of you, Declan, uh, which is 
a pretty incredible thought, I suppose. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about that the other day when I was on the phone with my dad. I was actually saying to him, if you looked at the, the back five, you could say it was a Liverpool player, a Leeds United <laughs> player, a Man United player, and then two Motherwell players. So it's, uh, it's incredible to think about it in that way. But at the end of the day, um, it's just it's just great to play with players like that and obviously they helped me massively through the game as well as I did with them so uh, no, we've got a good uh, partnership at the back uh, whoever comes in so looking forward to it I get the feeling Stevie Clark has just been totally uh, level-headed all the way through this he he didn't get too down uh, when it was looking like a struggle uh, and he's not going to be shouting from the rooftops just because Scotland have started winning games no, definitely not. He's got his head on the ground, that's that's for sure. Um, he's been really good with everybody. And as I said, he, he made a wee speech before the the first playoff game and he basically just said the reason why people are here is because they deserve to be there. Uh, you don't get picked for your country if you don't deserve to be there. So everybody that's there and everybody that's in contention for the squad will, will have a chance of playing. They just have to show in training and obviously just keep doing what they're doing. Hopefully that... Uh, they'll get picked for the team Declan good to have you on the show again and uh, wish you all the best when uh, next Thursday comes around thank you very much thanks for having us again that's Declan Gallagher of Motherwell and Scotland named in that uh, 27 man party for those three away games for Scotland coming up this is the Go Radio football show and you can get involved as well on 0808 17 17 700 the Go Radio football show Thanks, Ali. It's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday for Celtic and Rangers at the moment. The, the big games keep on coming. It's uh, Rob McLean, it's Darren O'Dea and it's Stephen Cragen in the studio. And it's you as well if you want to get in touch. That f- telephone number again, 0808 17 17 700 on the texts. Go and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. Coming up for Rangers, it's Benfica in Lisbon. They've never lost at home in the Europa League. That is some record. Uh, five to six on Thursday followed by eight o'clock at Celtic Park Celtic versus Sparta Prague at the weekend of course Scottish Cup uh, semi-finals Hearts 2 Hibs 1 on Saturday and Celtic beat Aberdeen by two goals to nil on Sunday five days before Christmas for the final Moy El got another goal for Celtic having scored a couple of times in France against Lille he's in top form I mean, I feel in great shape and, and the team is doing well. I mean, as long as we, we keep winning, that's the more, most important thing. But obviously, as a attacking player, you always want to contribute, you know, with either goals or assists. So uh, I'm really happy that, you know, I could help my team. So uh, hopefully, you know, I can keep that going. Well, he certainly showed what he's capable of. I think some of the Celtic fans were given a bit of stick at times and they didn't feel he was delivering consistently. But you can't say that over the last few days. Those two goals in Lille last Thursday night and that far post finish in the Scottish Cup semi-final at the weekend. He is looking top class, Darren, at the moment. Yeah, he is. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't know him personally. Um, probably the most impressed I've been with him was the second half of the AC Milan game because he's a big player I don't know the, what did he move to Southampton for was it 60 million 60, pounds yeah. 60 million euros he's, yeah. got, he's got to have some sort of ego about him he's got to have a bit about him and he got left out he got left out off the back of the Rangers game and I thought that's a big call to leave a big big player out and his reaction the second half in the AC Milan game I was at the game it was fantastic and I don't mean he scored obviously but his his demeanour everything about him was he wanted to prove Neil Lennon wrong and I loved that and I actually I've 
obviously respect him as a player anyway because he's clearly a top player but that was a big big moment for me and I actually thought I think a lot of him now um, where I think and he's, he's kicked on from there but that reaction to being left out after a massive disappointment Rangers I think was a big big uh, turning point for him and that's probably an attitude that, that is reflected among a lot of Celtic fans as well, Stephen, who were less than convinced and, and they were looking at that big transfer fee that was over his head previously. They were thinking of as about the £16 million man and he, he just wasn't delivering often enough. Well, that's true. And, you know, you learn an awful lot about players in adversity, whether it's being left out, whether it's a team struggling. And he probably had both. Sialik was struggling for form. He was struggling for form individually. Uh, and there's two reactions when you get left out. You can follow it with the manager. You can go in the huff or you can come on and show what you're all about. And sometimes players need that little jag just to kind of, you know, I wouldn't say complacency sets in, but when you're used to playing all the time, you think it's easy. Somewhere along the line, you need something just to change your mind and change your attitude and just refocus you. And it's no surprise for me then that because Ryan Christie came on, I thought he was terrific as well. The two of them give Celtic a real spark, a real energy. And people said... You know, AC Milan were 2-0 up, they were cruising in the game. Celtic took the game away from them because of their energy and their appetite. And that was the first time I thought, oh, there's something back here. This is the Celtic what we have watched over the past four or five seasons. They have a real hunger and desire. They're winning the ball back. They're moving the ball quickly. They're, they're carrying a threat going forward. And if, if Neil Lennon could replicate that second half, you thought they've got a chance of moving on. And they have progressed nicely and there's no surprise they are where they are because their key players who have been so influential over the past two or three seasons are now coming to the fore again uh, Odson Edward is now up front although you know I wouldn't say he was amazing on Sunday but just having his presence getting him team, back yeah. having his presence and the opposition looking and thinking he's playing today and Celtic players looking and thinking he's in our team he just has that aura about him that he's you know nice little touches around the corner his movement he drags people out of the way people then have to fill the holes that he leaves it's just a different dynamic to play against and I think El Yunusi suits that and you just see the freedom I mean I spoke about it Tom Rogic ended up on the left hand side crossing the ball for El Yunusi on the right when actually El Yunusi probably should have been in the left but but that freedom of movement and players understanding each other's roles I think he's benefited most from it That was an incredible 20 minute spell maybe first half at Hamden on Sunday Darren when when Celtic just killed off Aberdeen Yeah and I've I've been at the majority of Celtic games certainly the sorry the home games and a lot of them are, are very very similar where teams come and they make it very very difficult they sit behind the ball and the problem with that is if you score early, the opposition has to come out. But see, the longer that it goes on, and Celtic have struggled to score the first goal quickly. And what you found is against Aberdeen, they found the first goal, they quickly found the second goal, and all of a sudden the game's out of Aberdeen's reach, really. I know they came into the game in the second half a little bit, and Celtic kind of sought out. But they've they've struggled to score early goals, and that's been a problem. And I've been at a lot of the home games, and they're the exact same game over and over again. And teams have been set up well, they're well coached, they've got players that are... I've done it myself I've gone Dundee and put every man behind the ball it's very difficult to break down but the key to it is breaking it down early because the longer the game goes the more confidence teams get and, and uh, Aberdeen was a, was a good example of scoring an early goal And because of that failure to get early goals at times there's been criticism there's been criticism for Celtic for, for El Yunusi for Neil Lennon as well just think about the hysterical uh, reaction uh, just a couple of weeks uh, back and that's all changed club with this size of course there will be disappointment there is would be you know criticism if you if you lose a game if you you know play a draw or whatever uh, so but the thing is we are disappointed as well that we you know didn't win we try to win every game we go into so but, but now we're just looking forward you know criticism I don't understand it uh, to be honest I haven't read anything or just you know from what I've heard from you guys in the end I know that we have our supporters you know behind us uh, supporters going forward and that's the most that's the most important thing for us 
I don't think I've ever believed that when a player or a manager's told me that he, he doesn't read any anything on websites or a newspaper or online or, or whatever about, about criticism. Uh, yeah, I'll speak for myself. I read everything. I knew everything <laughs> that was going on. So when I went into a press room, I knew exactly who was saying what. Um, <laughs> so you could wag your finger at them? Oh, no, yeah. Give them a dirty look and that helped a lot. Um, listen, there's, there's the difference here. The Celtic fans... Uh, pundits, experts, whatever, ex-players. There's hysteria around Celtic and Rangers 24-7. This isn't anything new. This is just the life of being a Celtic or Rangers player. I think the calmness and the, the perspective comes has to come within. And I think there has been. I think Neil Lennon has dealt with this uh, pretty well. I think he's taken a hell of a lot of stick. He's probably had to do the press pretty much every day because of Europa League commitments as well. He's getting the same questions. This hysteria is not new. This is just par for the course. Um, and you have to find your way through. Now, I didn't really buy into the crisis, so I don't think they're out on the other side. It's just part of it. If they lose again at the weekend, it'll be back again. And it, it's it's never going to change. So I think it's important that there's perspective in the squad. I think listening to Telenusi, I spoke about Callum McGregor after the Aberdeen game. I watched it as a fan. And Aberdeen, I'm going, they've lost. They've lost the last-minute goal. And you feel the emotion. That's what fans do. They live in the moment. Callum McGregor comes after the game and goes, that could be a big point at the end of the season. That's experience. That's perspective. But fans are never going to have perspective, and, and neither we want it either. We want yeah. to build it up. It's the Glasgow Goldfish yeah. Bowl. Well, that's what and I said before. It. Previously, was that it builds more if the team on the other side of the city are doing well. And Celtic probably haven't had that challenge over the past five or six seasons. That real pressure off Rangers breathing down their neck, or Rangers potentially opening up a gap or winning game after game. Celtic maybe could lose a game or not play well and get away with it. But I think Rangers have looked so far. Listen, there's no trophies handed out in October, November, but they certainly look better equipped now to try and stay on a title race. It's not still to be proven, so we've got to wait and see. But Celtic know any slips, any kind of poor performances Rangers can capitalise, which just builds in the hysteria. If Celtic win four games in a row, in a row and Rangers lose a couple, it suddenly goes to the other side of the city. So listen, that's just the city we live in. Stephen Craig and Darren D, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show, plus Mick from Cumbernauld. Hi, Mick. Hi guys, how you doing? Good, thanks. What would you like to say? Uh, well, first of all, I'd uh, like to say it's a, obviously a terrific achievement uh, from Celtic getting to to the cup final once again. Um, I th- it's obviously going to be unprecedented the, the, uh, if Celtic want to win the the, the treble for the <laughs> for the, the fourth time in, in four years. Uh, I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. No. Obviously. You can, you can speak about Rangers being out the league for the years if you want, but it's a great achievement. For, 35 for winning cup ties in a row, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, but uh, probably my, I've got I've sort of two main points tonight. Um, obviously, Tom Rogic back in the back in the side, four assists his last couple of, the last couple of games, <coughs> playing behind um, the main striker, and obviously Ryan Christie uh, sort of filling in the role on the right hand side. Obviously, if James Forrest comes back in, then you'd probably be looking to play Christie more centrally. But uh, but Rogic has been terrific from what from what I've seen. He's been a big, big bonus, almost like a new player, because uh, it seemed as if he was heading for the Middle East, Darren. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it seemed like he was away. He's obviously been in the background. He's not featured much. I, I've played against Tom Rogic. He's, he, he, when you play against him, you know how good he is. Certainly, he's, he's valued by Celtic supporters. He's had massive moments um, throughout his years at the club. I think he's just. I, I don't know if it's down to necessarily what Tom Rogic has done. I think Ryan Christie was just in such good form, and if you look at James Forrest's form, certainly last season, the goals and assists these guys are putting up. I think it's just 
good players keeping him out of the team and he's he's found himself out and now with James Forrest's injury um, he's found his way back into the team and he's again we're talking about reaction of, of Elianusi his reaction Rogic to wait that long and then to take his chance with Bowens that's exactly what you want as a manager Sometimes, sometimes his, his languid yeah. style lulls you into a false sense of security when you're when yeah. you're up against Tom Rogic. He attracts the ball. He wants the ball, and it's almost when the ball comes to him. I think the rest of the game waits to see what he's going to do. I think that's how good he is, and it, you know that's that's a huge quality to have. That when the ball comes to you, your own teammates can run off you, make moves. Not position are thinking, what's he going to do? Because he's always looking for the killer pass. I think he came on against AC Milan as well. Yeah. And he just gave him that little bit of composure. He took us. He took a touch. He put his foot in the ball. He made simple passes, and he makes simple passes. But they're they're eye catching passes because it puts people in good positions. You even think of the Ryan Christie goal on Sunday. Yeah. He takes a simple touch. Just waits for Ryan Christie to go around him. Flicks it to the, you know, his left hand side, and suddenly Christie's got lots of space. So listen, he's such a clever player, and you're right. He's so graceful in possession. His receiving skills for young players. You know, I know Dan's working with young players at Celtic. For young players looking to see how you receive the ball in the final third, how you make your movements, keep your eye on Tom Rogic. Just how he moves and how he finds space and his awareness of passing is absolutely terrific. So that, along with El Yunusi and Christie and Edward, they've now suddenly got a front four with the rest of the Scottish Premiership and the European teams are thinking, wow, they're back with a bang. Mick, has your mood changed? Were you concerned? Were you were you worried uh, when things weren't going so well? Uh, of course. <laughs> of course, you're not. If you're not playing well, it makes it more more difficult to sort of keep the faith and keep believing that your your, your team's going to be winning games. Um, but yeah, some some Celtic on. fans were wanting Neil Lennon out, though. Are you were you among them? No, nah, no, nah, not for me. He's, he's been there and done it all before, and I can understand. I can understand why people they may be thinking that um, the, the decision making. Maybe I mean I, I I've only got really one big decision making thing with regards to Neil Lennon's transfer policy. If he if he knew he was going to be trying the, the, the three at the back and, and we went into the the season with sort of five, if you including Beaton and El Hamed, and you want to play three central defenders, obviously there's going to be injuries and um, as we found out as we found out the the COVID stuff can just can just hit you. I think young Welsh he did well when he came in but I mean, let's face it, if, if Neil Lennon knew that he was going to play the three at the back and that's the way he wanted to play, I think he made a huge mistake in, in, in not getting another another central, a, a recognised central defender uh, in, in the, the transfer window. Mick, see, see on that, I understand your point. The, the problem with that is what central defender is going to come in to be good enough to play for Celtic but to be a squad player? So you've got Ayer there, you've got Duffy who's come in on big money from the Premier League with a massive reputation, Irish international captain at the minute, and Julian who's been signed for, forgive me, I don't know, but seven. six, seven million quid, let's say. So are you going to leave one of them out to bring a, a, a fourth one in? I, I listened to the same thing Jurgen Klopp spoke about at Liverpool um, and they're short of a centre-back here and he's saying, I can't have four world-class centre-backs and two being willing to sit on the bench. So I understand your point um, but it's not as easy to say as who, who do they bring in and is there going to be someone that's good enough to play for Celtic and then be willing to sit on the bench? No, I would have just got you a pair of boots, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're not a manager, mate. <laughs> that would be a sensational return, wouldn't it? No, it's not, mate. What are you thinking, Mick, about uh, Thursday night uh, Celtic at home to Sparta Prague? Are you expecting all three points? I think we've got to be looking to take all three points. You, you know, you, you, hopefully uh, with a bit of luck uh, in, in the away game, you know, like the home game, I think we'll take care of it. So I think we'll probably have enough quality on the night. 
Um, Give us a scoreline. Like, uh, 2-0 maybe. 2-0. Yeah. Against yeah, a Sparta Prague team who've uh, lost heavily in both games, haven't they? They lost to Lille, lost to, to Milan, and it's uh, Celtic coming up. That's us out of time, Mick. Thanks for your call. Out of time on All the right, first right. hour, I should say. Good to hear from you on the Go Radio Football Show. But we've got another hour of football chat to come. After the news at six. The Go Radio Football Show. A new Scotland squad was named today by Stevie Clark. 27 names for three games upcoming against Serbia, Slovakia and Israel. All starts uh, nine nights away to that big match in the European playoff final. Uh, can Scotland do it? Can we get to a major finals for the first time in 22 years? Craig Gordon back in, Lee Griffiths is back in and Grant Hanley, the Norwich skipper as well. Big games upcoming, of course, uh, a lot sooner than that. That one, uh, two days away from Benfica and Rangers in Europe, five to six Thursday night, Celtic against Sparta Prague, eight o'clock in the east end of Glasgow. And looking back the way at the weekend, it was Hearts 2, Hibs 1 in the Scottish Cup semi-final, Celtic 2, Aberdeen 0. The final is five days before Christmas. Wins for Motherwell and Dundee United in the Premiership on Saturday and a win for Rangers on Sunday, which means that Stephen Gerrard and his team have a nine point lead at the top of the Premiership we just continue to do what we're doing we, we focus and we concern ourselves with our form keeping our players fit keeping them fresh keeping them in good form and we try and win as many games as we can and it's now 18 unbeaten for Rangers and yeah. uh, all bar three clean sheets which is incredible you know it's a big turnaround for Rangers and again you talk about the hysteria in the city I think Celtic have conceded 10 goals and 11 league games uh, whereas last season they'd conceded I think 19 goals in 30 games so they're obviously leaking more goals or have leaked more goals than previous Rangers have conceded three league goals I think 15 clean sheets in the 18 games is incredible consistency but that's the levels that Celtic have forced them to go to because they have done so well and they know in the back of their mind any slip and I just think Sunday was another hurdle for them because the their form or their their history down at Kilmarnock. I know Stephen Gerrard said before the game that's in the past, but you could sense as the game went on at one 0 there was an edginess come into their play. They struggled to get the second goal, but they showed another way just to win a game where they weren't great to watch. Uh, they had to defend their box. They you know had their right and say read their luck. Alan McGregor had a good save. Um, I think was it from Eamon Brophy. So uh, just winning the game was key for them, and it's been a real busy spell. But he's chopped and changed his team. He's got consistency. They seem to have the mentality right. But up until they get right down to the you know, the final uh, echelons off the, the title race, there will still always be question marks. But at the minute, they're certainly answering all the questions. Yeah, McGregor did have that save, but um, he hasn't really had too many big saves to make in recent times. It's been that four-man defence in front of him and the midfield in front of that, which has been doing such a good job. Look, I'm very proud. Alan does what he does. He makes big saves at important times. Um, he comes and punches one as well when he's under pressure. So, you know, we, we love him here. He, he, he's, he's such a big player. Defensively, we're, we're getting the rewards for all the hard work that the players are putting in. Um, but we've got to maintain it and continue it throughout the season. But obviously very proud and pleased the way everyone's defending. But it starts from the front. You know, we've got number 10s and number 9s that are willing to put the body on the line and really put a shift in for the team. And, and we're getting the benefits from you two as uh, ex-central defenders must see that, must just see from the way Rangers are playing that and how much work has been put into perfecting that. Yeah, uh, and Stephen Gerrard's last kind of comment there is key. It's the front players. It's the whole team as a unit is defending together. I, 
you actually look at Rangers just individually defensively it's not that they're they're never stretched they're never actually defending that much because the the two banks of three in front of them are are so structured and so well organised that they're actually limiting the amount Rangers have to defend so it's very hard to break them down obviously Celtic at Celtic Park really struggled to create chances and that's what you're seeing (laughs) no matter how good a defender you are the the more you have to defend obviously there's more chance you're, you're going to make a mistake or something's going to drop where Rangers actually aren't stretched at the minute. That's probably the most impressive thing I can say. They're defending, but it looks comfortable. But also, I think, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, they've, they've eradicated individual errors. And albeit, you know, I think they conceded the same amount of goals as Celtic last year, but they probably looked and thought a lot of those ones could have been avoided. And sometimes it just is communication. I always thought there was a weakness between Goldson and Tavernier because Tavernier used to love going forward so much that at times Conor Goldson switched off and stood and watched the game. The play suddenly broken. It was in the space where Tavernier should be, and he's thinking, "Oh." Whereas now he looks as if he's commanding. He's trying to fill that gap. He's filling it himself. He's talking to people around about him, and whether that just comes from experience or just coming from learning from your errors that you've previously uh, or previously that's happened. And I think it is that they look a more structured back four. There's more trust and belief. Again, it's a back four that probably hasn't changed an awful lot over the past eighteen months. So Stephen Gerrard uh, has allowed them to mature, has given the message to do that, and him and individually they're making better decisions in and out of possession I wish this had been video rather than radio to see you shuttling across between, know, between right centre back can, and right back it's there. funny because see when I'm talking about it <laughs> I can actually see it and it's probably because when Dan said about him his legs going I was never the quickest so my game is all but I always felt my game is based on filling gaps and talking to people and putting people in positions so I wasn't going to get exposed and that's what you think of a goalkeeper. He should be talking to defenders so he has an awful lot to do. Defenders should speak to midfield players to plug the gap so, so the defenders have nothing to do and midfield players should speak to strikers to fill gaps so they have nothing to do. And if that chain works the whole way up the system, then it means you've got a team who's well organised and know what they're doing. And all it comes through is communication. You know, having the bravery to speak to someone and help you out rather than just thinking, I'll try and look after it myself. You need voices on the pitch. And, you, you know, I think you hear it now more than ever when there's no supporters and you can actually hear managers dictating and goalkeeping coaches speaking to goalkeeper you'd hear so many different lines of communication which if there's a big crowd you wouldn't normally hear We were speaking in here last night uh, with Cy Ferry and Barry Ferguson um, about who would be our player of the season so far and it is really really difficult at the moment to get away from James Tavernier <laughs> Yeah he's right back and how many goals he scored he scored He's in the double figures yeah. isn't he well, well, that tells you why you're touting for player of the year. Ten goals from right back, but, but, but also his improved defensive yeah, awareness. I, I I don't want to talk about Rangers too much because I, I can't say I, I've watched enough of them. But I, I sense there's there there's a lot more structure into the, the way they defend this year. They're they're actually more comfortable to and and Craig's just talking about there of moving people around you. I feel that Golson has more people around him to move where I think they maybe pressed the game a little bit higher um, in previous seasons. So then you're obviously going to have more space as a defender to defend because you've space behind you, in front of you, to the side of you. Where if you actually watch Rangers now, especially obviously in the European games, I know they did it away uh, away from home in Europe, but they're, they even did it against Lech Poznan at home where they'll drop back in nearly to the halfway line. And then as a defender, you've less space to worry about. Mm-hmm. So it is about moving players around you. It's about picking up little pockets of space where I think when Rangers are right in the front foot, that is exposes defenders. When defenders are up in the halfway line, pressing up into the opposition half, you've got so much to do. And it, it, that's why maybe Virgil van Dijk is the best in the world because he can do it with all due respect to, to Rangers defenders they're maybe not adapted to doing that but when you are a defender and you've got people around you there's no better feeling really. Yeah, but I think that's Rangers have adapted their game as well that's the coaching staff recognising Sorry, absolutely yeah. yeah, 
if we continually expose ourselves and we continually want to play high up against Scottish teams, then they're never going to come out. So sometimes you've got to step off, allow them to come with the ball, and then there's more space to counter-attack into. And that's exactly, even at home, there was no panic, there was no fear, and that's where it probably helped not having any supporters. Because yeah. if they had played that away against the full Ibrox who were singing and dancing and shouting and screaming, the players may have felt that necessity to go and break the press and go themselves and, and, and be an individual whereas when there's no one there they can actually come back and the Rangers fans have watched it happening they've watched it being successful so when they're allowed back into the stadium they'll think this may happen in the game and we've just got to stay patient and go with it so I think it's an adapting players and coaches We're going to hear from Chris uh, from Erskine in a moment but I just want to hear from uh, Stephen Gerrard because what we're talking about all adds up for Rangers to <laughs> all adds up to Rangers with momentum Look, we're in a good place, we're playing well, confidence is high, beliefs, beliefs there, but we know this is going to be a very difficult season, there's going to be challenges coming every three, four days, and we need to be ready for them, you know, it's too early to be getting ahead of ourselves, there's a lot of tough, good sides that we've got to play against and get results against, so um, really happy and proud where we are right now, but tons and tons of work to do. Okay, let's hear from Chris on the Go Radio Football Show. 0808 17 17 700. Chris has a couple of bases, I think. One in Erskine, one in Dublin. And Chris, you're a Rangers fan, yeah? I'm a Rangers fan, aye. A happy Rangers fan. <laughs> I'll bet. What would, you, what would you like to say? Uh, I was actually just coming on to talk about uh, why Kevin Nisbet's known the Scotland squad. I think Steve Clarksmith had a massive opportunity to bread on Kevin Nisbet. Look, well, I look at tell, tell you what, Chris. Let's get to that in a second. Just, to, I'm wondering what what you're thinking about about Rangers at the moment. We're just speaking about this incredible uh, defensive record, the unbeaten record, uh, and looking to make it three wins out of three in the group stages of the Europa in Lisbon on, on Thursday night. It's been a mighty impressive start to the season, hasn't it? Aye, they've been excellent. I think. Um... Talander's um, not really had done a lot of praise this season but I think he's been absolutely solid at the back this season Connor Goldson's kind of missed out his mistakes this year as well so kind of been brilliant to back the front and when Leon Balogun has come in as well he's looked a, a pretty smooth operator Crags as well at the back hasn't he? He has listen Dan and I spoke about it you know I think he's an older player so you know he, he's used to defending there's no fear uh, and his first game Dan touched on it actually his first game in Aberdeen first game of the season after 10 minutes you can think he's decent he's got a bit about him he's quite happy to defend 1v1 he's strong he's physical he's good on the ball and the fact that him and Hollander can rotate just means they're always going to be fresh they're always ready to go um, and he plays him in the big games You know, he played him in, in Liège he played him last week against Poznan just his reading and his understanding of the game and Philip Hollander I think you're right You know, he kind of gets missed out sometimes but he just brings a steadiness to the defence he doesn't take any risks you know, there's no thrills or no spell. He just he's, he's a straightforward. He heads the ball. He defends well. He keeps it simple and allows other people to go and play. So I think just having that insurance beside someone like Conor Goldson, because Conor Goldson's obviously a player that he trusts 100%. He says he loves how he trains. He's robust. He's available for training. He's available for games. Him and James Tavernier play. As soon as they're fit, they're in the team. And it's about others fitting in beside them. And even though there's been the changes defensively, it hasn't upset the rhythm. They understand each other's games. They complement each other well. So, you know, you have to credit Stephen Gerrard for, for doing that with uh, Balogun and, and Hollander. Sorry, Chris, I derailed you there. Um, you want to make the point that, that Kevin Nisbet of Hibs is, is knocking on the door for Scotland? I just don't understand how Steve Clark's not put Nisbet in the team. I think if you look at the options he's picked, like Callum Patterson has, for me, nowhere near Scotland standard. I think when he was playing right back, I thought he would have been good enough to get in the team, but as a striker, he offers nothing. Uh, Lauren Shankland as well, I think. He's a player that's scored goals at all levels. 
So is Kevin this, but he's probably scored just about the same number of goals. So I don't understand why he's been left out of that squad. I think the other thing to say about Kevin Nisbet as well um, is that he's had tragedy in his family this week, hasn't he? His dad died, and uh, for him to to plough through that uh, and play in the cup semi final at the weekend was uh, Craig's mighty impressive. Listen, there's no doubt Kevin Nisbet will be a Scotland player. I, I certainly believe, uh, you know, in the next couple of years. Lauren Shanklin probably is slightly ahead because he's playing he's playing international football. He's got a goal in international football. Steve Clark has looked at him up front. Um, and this is probably not the right time to bring in a young and inexperienced player when he's needing players to come onto the pitch and affect the game. Listen, Kevin Nisbet could do it, no problem at all. Uh, you know, whether he was in Steve Clark's thoughts or not, after hearing about his father and hearing what's going on, sometimes it might be nice for him just to step away. For a couple of days, you know, once they get this game of the weekend out of the way, I think they play Aberdeen Friday night. Yeah, it might, I'm sure Jack would say to him, you know, go and take a few days off, go and get your head straight, see where you are, you know, spend time with your family, as opposed to going and worrying more about football. Um, but Kevin Nisbet will be a Scotland international, I believe. I just think the way he stepped from League One into the Championship up to the Premiership, it's been natural to him. And he's a natural goal scorer. He's got so many other attributes as well. And in that respect, Darren, there's a touch of the Lyndon Dykes about him having come out, coming up from the league below. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing with with the Lyndon Dykes and and obviously Nisbet, if he came into the squad, is they're not scarred by any of the past. They're not part of the kind of history Scotland have had with not qualifying. They feel like they don't take any of the burden of it. And and to Lyndon Dykes, Lyndon Dykes knows nothing other than winning international football matches. Mm-hmm. So sometimes having fresh blood has helped. One point I would make in, ter- in terms of Nisbet is. It's not always about would Nisbet come in and start straight away. The answer is no. no. In in this, so sometimes I know this sounds really really strange, but sometimes the dynamic in the group might be good. Callum Patterson might add something. Will Callum Patterson start the game? Absolutely not. But he might add something to the group. And you need to remember, there's 27 guys there now. I know Scotland have three games, so there is scope that that certain players will play more. But more often than not, you've only got one game, maybe two. So the actual dynamic in the group's important. So kind of constantly fluctuating players in and out. That's sort of what I'm saying Scotland shouldn't do. But certainly Nesbitt, if he keeps performing the way he is, it's, it's a matter of time. And do you think it would be more refreshing for the squad, Chris, to have somebody like Kevin Nesbitt who's doing it um, in the league here? I think as well. Like, Habs play that season. They've changed their formation quite a lot, but they've always kind of stuck to up front. And Nisbet and Doy just played that system, so I don't see why Nisbet and Dykes couldn't play together as two up front. Yeah, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue against that. I just think other players have have potentially put themselves slightly ahead of Kevin Nisbet in the minute. Ran Fraser played as a second striker, didn't he? Lee Griffiths coming back into the squad. Ollie McBurney, ultimately, you know, he has still has his detractors, but he's playing English Premier League. Uh, and Lawrence Shankland has shown that he scored in international football so um, Kevin Nisbet certainly will be on the radar he'll be on a long list of players Steve Clark will eventually look to bring into the squad he may look and think well I'll give him another few months and let's see you know I think this is the last international window until March if he's still doing it in March I can imagine the picture could change Chris um, prediction for Thursday what are you reckoning in terms of scoreline in Lisbon uh, I think it'd be a tough game I think taking a point away from it would be a good result so I'd go one each one each yeah I think Rangers would uh, settle for that at the moment the way things are going and just your thoughts before you go on Edmondson and Jones uh, I think Jordan Jones is fine at Rangers for me uh, George Edmondson was a player that did look like he had potential especially for England boy uh, he came in a lot of the European games last year and we kept clean sheets and his performances against Braga were excellent but I don't know, it's just ridiculous. I think uh, both players shouldn't see the Rangers stuck for another couple of months anyway. I think Jordan Jones will be going in January. Chris, thanks for your call. 
Good to hear from you. All the best, Chris, on the Go Radio Football Show. I want to get your t- to the thoughts of you two on, on that as well. Stephen Craig and Darren O'Dea, Edmondson and Jones suspended uh, by Rangers investigation underway. They're both isolating for 14 days after uh, partying uh, the other day, breaking all the, the protocols, breaking all the rules and regulations surrounding uh, COVID. Darren, what did you make of that? I'm obviously part of a club that is adhering to all these protocols and procedures and the enormous work and strain that goes into there's people at, at Celtic for instance that have just come to the fore in these circumstances and the amount of work they have to do to keep us right and to keep us essentially playing football which we all want to do I actually feel for the clubs <laughs> you won't hear me saying that much but I feel for Rangers because they must have so many people that are working day and night to make sure that they're they're kept right and then you've got two lads to just go off to a house party it's it's borderline unforgivable I, I kind of I tried to sympathise because I certainly made mistakes when I was a young lad and, and wanted to go out and socialise and all but like we're, we're, we're so far into this I actually in all of this look back and, and kind of feel for the Aberdeen players a little bit because they actually just went out to a restaurant now they maybe kicked on afterwards I don't I'm not going to go into that too much, but they were kind of out in the public domain where the range players quite clearly they knew, they know fine well what this is. We're right into a pandemic and to do it, it it's actually just so, it, you're disappointed when you hear it more than anything. Um, it's just madness, madness. Barry Ferguson on the show last night um, was saying, you know, hey, hold fire here. Let's not get too carried away with this. Human beings, we all make mistakes, uh, that sort of stuff. But, but a lot of people uh, certainly looking for these two to be sacked, Craig's. Yeah, listen, football's an emotional game. And, you know, you think of Rangers supporters where they've been, the journey they've been on since 2012, Rob, getting them down to the fourth tier of Scottish football, the journeys, the grounds, the money, the investment, the passion, the love they have for their football club. And just when they think they're on the right path, this could have derailed, you know. And, and, and the fact that Rangers took such evasive action so quickly, Stephen Gerrard, Stuart Robertson, and the board decided, no, nope, we've got to move them on or move them into isolation. We've got to get on with the job in hand. So they don't need distractions. This is a huge season for the football club. They don't need distractions or people putting them off or, or things popping up. They've kept their, their heads down. There's been no silly statements this year coming out of Ibrox when previously they've spoken about being the best team. So it's just a dynamic that they don't need at this moment in time. There has to come a stage when there's accountability when individuals have to be responsible for their own actions, irrespective of what age you are. And I think that's the time. Listen, these two boys will be sitting in their house for the next 14 days and I would like to think they will sincerely regret what they've done. But uh, Stephen Gerrard speaks an awful lot about trust. He speaks about trust in his players. He always speaks about Conor Goldson, James Tavernier and Ryan Jack and Steve Davis. Guys, he trusts. You don't just earn that trust on a football pitch, you earn it by how you live your life off it. And they have broken his trust, so it'll be you know that's interesting. But it will be telling in the next few weeks and months of whether they can regain that trust and get themselves back into the football club. Second, I think it's you know there has to be conversations had amongst the players and the club, and really to make sure they're aligned and what they're wanting to do moving forward. They've made a serious error in judgment, I absolutely. So I'd imagine in, in in the next few weeks there will be some sort of statement coming from the players regretting that they then have to go and earn the trust of the manager, earn the trust of the supporters who invest loads of money and can't get to the grounds and are making all sorts of sacrifices because they're following yeah. the team they love. Uh, and these players have let them down, no doubt about it. They will accept that and they will know that, but they have to show the right response moving forward. Is it insulting, Darren, to these fans, the fans who are observing the guidelines, playing by the rules? No, because all fans won't be <laughs> adhering to them. But the, the reality is they're professional footballers and they're in the limelight and... 
I, I'd be the first to, to back that up that they're just normal guys and, and listen Barry's right like you're not going to crucify them they've made a mistake and the, the, the problem is that they, they knew they knew if they get caught the ramifications are going to be huge so to kind of toss that off a little bit that's the bit that'll kind of hurt Rangers a lot like as, as Craig just talked about Stephen Gerrard trust is really broken with it because they'll not they'll have known going in if we get caught here we're in serious bother but they've still done it Um but no, I I don't buy into all that, that the players are letting fans down and all this. Of course they are, but listen, don't tell me that other people aren't going and, and into house parties and all this. Other people, but they're not other people. They are Rangers players. They are in the, the public domain. They are role models to people. So they have to take the heat that comes with it. Um, and I'm sure they will. And as Craig said, I'm sure they'll apologise. They'll be full of remorse. And it'll take a long time, if if they can, to, to basically recover. If you want to talk football, here is the place to do it. Glasgow's own Go Radio, the football show, 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio football show. Let's go. The show is flying by. That's what tends to happen between 5 and 7, Monday to Friday, Glasgow's own uh, Go Radio. It's a football show that is certainly gathering momentum way beyond 150,000 now in terms of downloads of the podcast and that's the way to catch up if you listen in and you've missed a bit you fancy hearing a bit more well you can do that with the podcast lots of ways to catch up with the Go Radio football show Declan Gallagher was with us earlier on talking Scotland on the day Stevie Clark named another squad those three big games upcoming against Serbia Slovakia and Israel Craig Gordon is back in the squad if you haven't heard so far Lee Griffiths as well Uh, Grant Hanley is there too but uh, continuity could be the key word uh, for Stevie Clark in terms of uh, next Thursday night that's the European playoff final uh, a place in a major championships at stake for Scotland for the first time for 22 years big matches upcoming of course as well Benfica against Rangers Thursday 5-6 to six, 8 o'clock for Celtic and Sparta Prague and uh, of course at the weekend Hearts and Celtic won through to the Scottish Cup final which is five days before Christmas um, SPFL Premiership wins for Motherwell and Dundee United on Saturday Rangers on Sunday and Rangers went nine points clear at the top of the Premiership we heard from uh, earlier on from the Scotland gaffer uh, Stevie Clark we can go back to him now because he's been speaking today as he named the squad about the possibility of penalties uh, maybe being required next Thursday night they were in the semi-final against Israel yeah, they, listen, they never stood up to it the last time. I'm sure they would stand up to it again. We, we'll follow the, the same routine that we that we did in the last camp. There's no way you can replicate the, the, the pressure of the situation when you actually get there. The, the boys held their nerve the last time and that would certainly give you hope that if it does go to penalties, which hopefully it won't, hopefully we get the result in 90 minutes. Uh, but if it does go to penalties, then we'll be prepared. we'll be as prepared as we can be. I'm not sure I could stand that, but yeah, I guess I probably could, uh, having coped with it in the semi-finals against Israel. When Kenny McLean got the vital spot kick in the end, David Marshall having made a crucial save, of course, right at the start of that shootout. So it's next Thursday, nine nights away for Serbia and Scotland. It's Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show, Darren Adi, Stephen Craig in here as well, and Gordon from Tartan Scarf is with us again. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Rob. Hi, guys. How you doing? Oh, yeah. How you doing? Good, thanks. Um, what are you thinking about that squad today? I, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, nine days away, but I oh, I wish I wish it was tomorrow. Because to be honest, I, I think I'm the stress and the anxiety building up over the next week or so. Um, I think the key the key thing for me is that 
this is a really settled squad. I mean, there's not a single player in there that doesn't have a cap for his country. And I don't actually think there's that many questions to answer about how this team's going to play or or what lineup he's going to go for. I mean, I, th- I think the only question for me, and I'd love to get your input on it, is the three guys that had to withdraw the last minute last time, Armstrong, Tierney and Christie, did they make it back into the first 11 for you guys? Uh, we've, we've obviously touched on it. I think Tierney probably will um, replace Considine. But no, you're, you're you're spot on. Scotland have consistency, and I think it was Rob. I was on with you uh, certainly a few weeks ago, and talking about after the first Israel game, and there was a lot of criticism of Steve Clark and playing a back three. And uh, Craig's has touched on it. Scott McTominay didn't look quite comfortable in the in playing as a centre back, but he had an idea and he stuck with it. And I constantly hear international managers say, "Oh, but only get three days." Well you better be consistent then over a period of time and that's what Scotland are now and you're spot on I've, I've touched on earlier in the show every time Scotland have a squad I've no idea what formation what players anything but that that's not important for me but it's important for the players the players need to know going in what role they're going to play and I think now going into that Scotland squad every player will know exactly what role they might be playing come the Serbia game and Craig's the the pressure for change comes with struggling when, when the team's struggling that's when uh, you know, forces on the outside are saying to Stevie Clark, make changes, different formation, yeah. different personnel. Yeah, but then when you get it right, uh, you know, if the team's winning games, whether it's club football, international football, you tend not to get a chance. When things aren't going so well, that's your chance to get in. That's the chance for you to go and say, I'm ready to play, look at me, you know, look at my consistency. Suddenly you get three wins in a row and three clean sheets. I mean, that's as big a message you can give to your manager. I think, you know, without picking the team, but almost, I think left centre half is up because I think that uh, Gallagher and McTominay will play. If Tierney's that one, fine. Robertson will play left wing back. Stephen O'Donnell, I think, deserves to play right wing back. I think it'll be Callum McGregor and John McGinn, so there's a midfield place up. Lyndon Dykes will play as a centre forward, and it's whether he plays a second centre forward up beside him or whether he plays one in behind, and I think David Marshall will play in goal. So there's three positions up for grabs. Left centre half, centre midfield, and a second centre forward or a number 10. That, for me, is how it sits at this moment in time. What do you think, Gordon? Uh, I would only disagree. I I don't think that second centre-forward spot is up for grabs because I think it's Ryan Fraser's absolutely all day. I thought he was fantastic. The partnership he he struck up with Lyndon Dykes I thought worked really, really well. I think the fact that he did say after after one of the games that he'd never actually played centre-forward, but for me that didn't matter because it made him impossible for defenders to pick up because he could pop up on the right wing, he could pop up on the left wing. They just didn't know which way he was coming and I thought that was a combination that worked fantastically well for us. I suppose, I suppose the only thing is it's, it's about your policy, your philosophy for the game, your, your, your mentality about the game, isn't it? But I mean, Ryan Fraser is, a, is very much an attacking talent but, but he's a great outlet and he, and he would be a great outlet, I guess, um, for Scotland in Serbia, Darren. Yeah, he would. I agree. I agree with all the points. And he was he was fantastic in the game. Ryan Fraser didn't start though the weekend for Newcastle. As he said, it was the first time he played centre forward. I think to leave Ryan Christie out would be a massive call. Um, I I if I was to to bet on it, I would imagine he will come in. Ryan Christie. I would imagine Ryan Jack will be the third midfielder. But I agree with Craig's. They are the three positions where you look. I'd probably the only one I'd slightly disagree in is. I just assume Tierney will come in, but yeah, I agree. With, I agree with your. I agree yeah. with your point that that that's kind of the one that's up for grabs. So, um, but there's only three positions we're talking about, and you could argue against 
all three nearly and say, no, well, he will play. So that's where Scotland are. And that is a testament to Steve Clark sticking with something that didn't quite work at the start, but now he's reaping the rewards. But the thing is, after this weekend, it could all change. <laughs> because Kieran Tierney plays on Sunday, John McGinn plays on Sunday, Andy Robertson plays on Sunday, uh, and, the old, and the two old firm teams play on Sunday. So you, Steve Clark could get up on Monday morning or even Sunday night when they arrive, and suddenly three of those players we thought might play aren't fit and available to play they're going to miss the first game so he has to have things in the back of his mind he's now got other options if Tierney doesn't make it um, Considine could play or uh, centre half Paul Hanlon McKenna well Paul Hanlon's not in the squad is he no, that's true good point or McKenna could play <laughs> so he's now got options it's not a case of that's my 11 if three of those don't make it and that's actually where Northern Ireland are at the minute we've got 11 if we get two dropouts we're thinking who's coming in the team suddenly weakens. Scotland don't have that at the minute because so many players done well during the last international window. It's incredible, Gordon, to contemplate that if if that were that midfield that was just voiced a, a moment ago, uh, Jack and McGregor and Christie, the the prospect of John McGinn uh, not being in the team. Yeah, I, there's there's no way John McGinn is one of the first names in the team. So he has but, to play. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think I think Christie coming back gives Steve Clark a massive headache because if you look at where Christie's played under Steve Clark, he's often played off the right wing when we played with a 4-3-3 formation. But with this new three-at-the-back system, we just don't have a space in the team for natural wide players. So uh, Christie provides a huge headache, I think, for Steve Clark. In our defence, we did say Christie would play as a second striker. It would be John oh, McGinn. So you, so you wouldn't play Fraser? <laughs> well, it would be Fraser, Fraser or Christie for uh-huh. me. Yeah. You know, whether he wants to play one who's playing right up against, which Christie, uh, sorry, with which uh, Fraser probably would be quicker in behind. But I think they're similar players. You know, mm. it, we're talking about uh, Fraser picking up the ball up in the right and up in the left. Christie would do that as well, wouldn't mm. he? You know, they like that freedom round about Lyndon Dykes with him being the pivotal number nine and the second striker just playing in round about yeah. him who may have to be more reserved and think more defensive because away from home, they aren't going to dominate the ball against Serbia. It is going to be a counter-attacking game. Yeah, I, I'd, ag- I, I'd agree. I, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Craig, respond. Uh, Christie, sorry, would play just for, uh, instead of Ryan Fraser and... Let, let's could, not could be kidding. Know, Serbia, Serbia are ten times better side than what's got yeah. on the face so far. So, so you don't think you can have Christie and Fraser in the team? No, no, no. Sorry, um, no, no. Because I think Scotland will play the same uh, shape, uh, same shape as they have. So there'll be two, and it'll be Christie or Fraser. Lyndon Dykes is a stick on, and I think away from home against Serbia, who most their players, there's ones playing for Inter Milan. They've got a lot of players in Syria and in League One in France. They're a top top team. So I think with Christie, it might add a little bit of to their defensive solidity. Um, but listen, great decisions to to have, and or sorry, tough decisions to have, and great options to have. Yeah, and, and Stevie Clark, well, we know the type of manager he is and, and cautious, cautious is his middle name, isn't it? You know, and, and, and that is working really well, Gordon, for, for Scotland. And, and I guess the, the, the first thing is, is to be tough and strong and solid and difficult to break down in Serbia and building that foundation uh, on which Scotland can win the game. Well, it is, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the guys that you've got with you tonight, I mean, you guys know that a successful team, you have to build solid foundations at the back before you can score goals and win games. I mean, let's not forget, it was only a year ago, early in Steve Clark's reign, that he played Russia and Belgium back-to-back, home and away. We conceded 13 goals over those four games and scored once. So, I mean, he had to deal with a lock in the door at the back before you can build something on top. And, and he's, he's gone and done that. And it, more power to him. I'll tell you what, Rob, what about the news coming out? Was it yesterday from a French media outlet that it could potentially move, be a move to Russia? That was another mm. talking point, wasn't the fact that the Tartan Army would be able to go to Hamden Park and watch Scotland playing if there was fans allowed in. Now it could be thinking, Gordon, you know, that wouldn't be ideal without having to go to Russia. 
and, and, and follow the team or maybe not even being allowed to travel to Russia to watch the team for the first time since 1998 in a major tournament and Scotland fans would be locked out that would just sum it all up Gordon. Oh, it would, wouldn't it? It would, it would just be the Scotland way, wouldn't it? Although, interestingly, you mentioned 1998, because if you, if you would allow me the, the pleasure, I've a bit of masochism over the last month since the last get-together. For the web, for my website, thetartanscarf.com, I've put together an article that I published yesterday about Scotland's years in the international wilderness over the last 22 years, looking back at every qualifying campaign we've had. So there's some great memories in there, some some highs and, and quite a few lows as well. Um, was it was it, was it tear stained, Gordon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, but look, I, the way the way I'm looking at next Thursday is that we've come within one game of qualifying three times over the last 22 years: playoff against England for Euro 2000, playoff against the Netherlands for Euro 2004, and that game against Italy for Euro 2008. Whatever Serbia are, and look, Darren, you're absolutely right. They've got great players. They're a good team. Whatever they are, they're not England, Italy, Netherlands. And also, whatever the atmosphere we, were, we might have worried about going to Belgrade, I don't think they're going to have a capacity crowd. It's not going to be that either. So what an opportunity we've got here. You know, let's, bit of confidence, unbeaten in eight. They've only won one game this year, you know. Have you, got enough, have you got enough levels of excitement to go up, Gordon, in the next nine days? <laughs> I hate to think, but we'll see. I'll do my best. <laughs> Good to hear from you on the Go Radio Football Show. That's Gordon from the Tartan Scarf website. And the telephone number if you want to give us a call, 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go! Yep, the two hours has flown by yet again on the Go Radio Football Show. We're into the final furlong. Back tomorrow night between five and seven. Uh, Barry Ferguson and myself alongside Paul Cooney uh, tomorrow. And on Thursday, it's Europa League night. It's going to be another great one. And it's Davy Proven and Craig Moore with Paul in the studio. It is Benfica against Rangers, five to six. And it's Celtic against Sparta Prague at eight. Moy El Yunusi will be very much part of that Celtic lineup on uh, Thursday. Bang on form uh, after two goals in France against Lille in the Europa League. And then one of the two goals against Aberdeen on Sunday, which took Celtic to yet another Scottish Cup final, one game away from a quadruple treble. El Yunusi uh, was talking earlier in the show and here he is answering the question about will he be extending his stay with Celtic? Like I said, my main focus is to play as well as possible for, for, for the club here where I am. Uh, I'm enjoying my time here and I try to do my best every game so that's, that's my main focus you know whatever happens in the future I mean we will come to that later on uh, so uh, as long as I keep playing well that's the most important thing like I said we can talk about that later on there was a point, Crags, not so long ago where the Celtic fans probably weren't caring a jot about whether he extended his stay or not, but they want more of him now. Yeah, well, that's up to the player. You know, that's up for, you know, he is a big summer signing. Um, he's probably come back on a good salary. He's got a reputation coming behind him. And when you arrive with that reputation, you have to deliver. And once every three games isn't enough for Celtic, they want players at the top of the game delivering week in and week out. And the form they've looked at over the past four or five games, they're pleased. But again, he has to continue that. Listen, I've watched him playing for Norway as well. He's played twice against Northern Ireland. He's just such a clever player. You know, he's not an out-and-out winger. He wants to come in and get involved in the play. He frees up space for the full-back to overlap. He's good in possession. He's got an eye for a goal. Um, Celtic fans will just want that to continue the season. The quality of those goals um, in the Europa League as well in France against Lille. Uh, the second one, the cutback from, from Bong. He pointed where exactly where he wanted the ball to be played. But the, f- the first one was an absolute dream of a goal, wasn't it? I was I was in the air. I was watching it, and I, 
I was actually willing him to pass to Incham, and then he was <laughs> he was so so casual. It was really really casual, but it's someone that that has seriously good technique, um, and to pull it off, the keeper doesn't move. Um, he's a top he's a top top player, um, and spot on from Craig's he, he just needs to do it on a consistent basis and I, I go back to it Rogic has found himself out of the team over the last kind of two seasons but the front players of Celtic put up big numbers big numbers uh, Christie Forrest and obviously you're talking about the front players Edward as well but these guys were off the sides where we used to years and years ago were kind of wingers that went back and forward and crossed the ball when you want to play off the sides for top teams you need to score goals score goals you need to hit numbers and he certainly didn't have that as much last year where the other ones did but he seemed to add that and only in a few games he's AC Milan obviously as well so he's four in the last three is it so these are the kind of um, consistency that he needs to show throughout the rest of the season What's the news about James Forrest what are you hearing about uh, when he's going to be back? None obviously we're, Was there talk we're about surgery? Off. Was there yeah talk I read that yeah. the other day in, in, in uh, one of the papers um, so Obviously, that's a blow for for the lad. First of all, um, he's obviously a player that that Celtic will miss, um, but he'll give opportunity to to someone else. But yeah, I I, I only read what everyone else does now. Because yeah. we're cut off from we're cut off from real life. <laughs> well, we certainly aren't here. That's for sure. <laughs> um, absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't it? For for some of the Celtic fans who were well, lots of Celtic fans slate James Forrest, but but yeah. I get they, they they probably never appreciate him more than when he's not in the team. Do you know why? It's because he's such he sets such a high standard. His goals return was phenomenal. His his assists return when the big games appeared in Europe, lots of way away last year. When the old firm games appeared, the cup finals, cup semi-finals, he was the one who broke the deadlock or was involved in breaking the deadlock. And people just become accustomed to it and think, well, that's what he does all the time. So if he has a quiet game or he goes through a quiet spell, which sometimes can be two or three games, then people start to get on his back. So it might actually be good for him to come out, be refreshed, because you know, the amount of games he's played over the past five or six seasons has been absolutely phenomenal. And you can understand why then at times he has a dip, because you can't maintain that game after game after that I mean, physically and mentally that's tough going. To be, I wouldn't say carry a team, but to be that go-to man for so often. So I think it might just do him a world of good to come away from the game. Obviously, he would rather be fit because it's not great having to go through operations. But I think when they get him back, if they get him back just after Christmas, suddenly that's like a new sign and it's like a new dynamic. Somebody who's fresh and hungry and ready to go and kick on the second half of the season. So listen, of course they miss him, but to think that he could be on his way back is certainly encouraging. And uh, without Forrest, it's just slowly been evolving and improving for Celtic in the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, the guys were speaking earlier on about that second half against Milan where there was uh, distinct signs of progress. Then the 3 all game at Petodre uh, where Celtic were the 3-2 ahead going into the closing moments having been 1-0 and 2-1 down. Progress again, certainly progress in France in the first half against Lille when they were 2-1 up but it was still a precious point in the Europa League and then cut to Sunday and the Scottish Cup semi-final against Aberdeen uh, when they won by two goals to nil. Here's Moy El Unissi on that momentum. Well, we need to keep the momentum going. Like I said, we are in good shape, in good form now. So uh, we're expecting a tough game. Obviously, there's a big game for both of us and both of the teams try to win the game. You know, to still have the possibility to go through. So, um, so we're expecting a tough game uh, against a, a good team. You do have that feeling, um, don't you, that, that, that that progression is well underway now for Celtic and and 
I think we're expecting another step forward from them in, in terms of performance um, against Sparta Prague on Thursday, the eight o'clock kickoff. Darren, uh, and when you look at uh, Sparta Prague, it's not that not that one makes any acceptance or gets complacent just because uh, they haven't had a good time. But but they've lost four one at home to Lille. They've lost three nil um, in the San Siro against Milan. Yeah, I think it's a game of Celtic of any aspirations of getting out of the group, which will be very difficult. They're going to have to win. Um, it's going to be a very very Tricky game. Sparta Prague will be certainly no mugs. They've, they've, I know their league's been shut down. Is that right? But they've won yeah. their first six games that they played, and they'll be a decent, decent side. How kind of attuned they are. Obviously, they'll have a disadvantage in terms of the competitive football they've played. But Celtic, if they if they want to progress out of the group, they're going to need to win on on Thursday. Do they have to win home and away against Sparta Prague? Yeah, I yeah. think they do. I think with the end because they go to Milan and game in match day five. The key being they want to arrive back at Celtic Park match day 6 home to Lille with a chance of qualifying whether that's with a point or beating Lille they want it in their own hands they don't want to be getting to that game hoping that Milan drops something against Sparta or Lille have qualified so that means they've got to win home and away against Sparta Prague if they can get something away from home against Milan absolute bonus but they want to arrive back in Glasgow match day 6 against Lille at home thinking this is in our favour if we win this game we go through that's where it boils down to Meantime, uh, Rangers and Lisbon uh, to play Benfica. I was just uh, starting my uh, research for the BT Sport commentary on, on Thursday night and uh, finding out, uh, you'll probably have a look at that stat pack as well in the course of today, Craigs, um, that Benfica, Darren, are 24 games in the Europa League, basically every home game in the Europa League unbeaten. That's incredible, yeah. I was actually more amazed the Rangers of 15 clean sheets and 18. Yeah. But these stats are brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should have a look into them. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's incredible. Just, incredible you, just you carry on I, doodling I've, on that. Yeah, no, no, you, you don't yeah. bother with that. No, there's sense in that somewhere. Um, yeah, no, years and years ago, I can't even remember the year we went. I went away with Celtic, Champions League, played Benfica and got thumped 3 0. Um, it's a notoriously difficult place to go. A big, big club, massive history. Um, but that, that, yeah, that's an incredible. I think statistic. they spent £90 million over the summer. I know they sold this. Uh, I knew you were going to outstart me. No, but they did. Aye. They brought in three Brazilians uh, Jan Vertonghen, who was at Spurs, uh, who was the one say, uh, Otamendi from Manchester City. Wow. So they've invested. But listen, they're a club that sell players. What did they say? Sell Felix to Atletico Madrid for like yeah. 109 yeah. million a couple of seasons ago. So they will know by bringing in three Brazilians. There's a good chance they will double their double their uh, asset base and, and potentially sell them on. That's what they're likely to sell them on. But they still are a strong side. But Rangers have to look deep into their archives, even if last season, and think they went to Porto and got a great point, played really well. They went to Braga and won when people you know, had written them off. Uh, they went to Feyenoord and, and drew 2-2 and probably should have won the game. They went to Liège at the start of this group and, 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 and were comfortable. So they have to take that level of performance and they won't be in a better place mentally and physically than where they are at this moment in time. So to go to Benfica, they don't have to go and chase the game. You know, six points out of six. Have they left there with a point? Absolutely ecstatic. And if they get a point at home against them in, in match day four, they'd be absolutely ecstatic as well, knowing they've got Liège and Lech Poznan to come. So they're in a really good place. I think I think that Rangers will actually look forward to the game. I think mm. the game, being, say, the underdog or whatever, I actually think that will suit them. And we're talking, we're talking about it a little bit earlier and that they'll go a little bit deeper and and uh, Craig's touched on it. Would they get away with that with the fans if, if we're in at, at Ibrox? 
possibly not. No. But I think it suits them to let a team come. I think they'll look forward to trying to stop a proper outfit. And I liken them to a counter boxer. They're they're constantly waiting for opposition to come onto them, and then they'll hit them on the counter attack. So I think the the as much as it'll be very very difficult, I think it'll suit them. I have to say, Craig, I, I raised my eyebrows a couple of times about uh, Benfica's game last night against uh, Boavista. A because they were playing on a Monday night, just three days before the yeah. the Europa game, pretty close, um, and also because they lost three nil. Yeah, it's it, it seems a strange one because everything seemed to be going so well for them. They were in a good place. You know, was it a case of the players thinking, well, we just get this game out of the way and we've got Rangers at home on Thursday in the Europa League. Win that, we've got nine points and we're almost through in the group. But sometimes these moments come along and just give you a little jag and makes you think, oh, complacency sets in. You know, it probably makes Rangers' task a little bit harder because the players will be wanting to go out and show the management and the fans that that was a one-off game. They're disappointed. They've let themselves down. I'm sure the manager's told them that. So I would imagine they'll be like a wounded animal coming out on Thursday night. Whereas Rangers probably would have preferred them to win 4 or 5 nil mm. and be complacent in their game. So it's just another challenge that Rangers have to overcome. But I absolutely take your point, uh, Darren, that Rangers will actually be licking their lips at the, at the prospect of, of going there and getting getting the job done. And 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 Cra- what Craggs was talking about, the history, the recent history that's on Rangers' side because of those big European games they've tackled and won. Yeah, I think the whole their whole identity at the minute suits it. I'm not saying Rangers, certainly in Scottish football, domestic football, have to take the game to the opposition. I think they're a lot more comfortable. It's not that they're not good at that. I think they're just more comfortable allowing a team come onto them and then, as I said, kind of countering it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think they'll really, really look forward to it. They, as, you, as you've well said, there's history there against big clubs, big results. I think they'll fancy going there and actually getting a result. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't think you'll 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 fe- uh, they'll fear much about it, um, and because of the style of game. We've heard earlier from Stevie Clark. One more from the the Scotland manager, and of course, uh, COVID implications. Last time Scotland were together, and uh, call offs uh, because of that. It's three away games this time. So, what about those contingency plans? We have a contingency. Obviously, the last time when it happened, it was a little bit easier because it was a uh, three home games. Uh, it wasn't so difficult to to bring the lads in. So, the likes of bringing in. Uh, Ross McCrory up from the under-21s, Paul Hanley coming in from Hibs and Paul McGinn coming in from Hibs. It was a little bit easier. It's going to be a little bit more complicated this time because we're away from home and it's it's not so easy to, to get the travel. But we will have a, a group of players who are primed and, and hopefully ready to join us if it's possible, if we need them. And he named 27 today with that in mind and obviously more will be added uh, if necessary. But I want to pair those 27 down. Before we go, just got a couple of minutes. I want 11 names for next Thursday night from you two. And we're, we're, we're well down the road to, to doing it, I think, because we've spoken a, a bit right through the show. So uh, starting from David Marshall and goals, then the back three, Crags. Mine would be uh, Scott McTominay, Declan Gallagher, Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson, Stephen O'Donnell, Ryan Jack, Callum McGregor, John McGinn, Ryan Christie and Lyndon Dykes. Spot on. That is the team. I'll you put it right now, you heard it here, that is the team. <laughs> you two are in agreement. Um, this is, this is <laughs> yeah. sensational. I'll tell you what else is concerning me. You know, he's talking about the COVID. The fact they're out of the country, I'm, I'm guessing they're staying away for the 10 days. Yes, so they don't they're going come back. from country to country, yeah. which causes another issue. Go yeah. through airports, being in different hotels and continually on the move. Um, you know, that will play, or that will be a difficult 
thing to manage just to make sure everyone's in the right place the right you know so it's not just a football it's trying to make sure your players and you can hand them back to your club Covid free and you know Scotland have covered everything which they would with Dr John McLean but it's just another little obstacle which they have to face Yeah and I guess you have to be and Steve Clark clearly is here listening to him there Darren you have to be prepared for, for change and for disruption in the next well next couple of weeks yeah, absolutely. I think it's the the fear of just getting that phone call one morning that says someone has symptoms or has to isolate. So, fingers crossed, they can all avoid that. It was momentous, the end of the show. They agreed, uh, Stephen Craig and, and Darren O'Dea on Scotland's starting lineup for next Thursday. Thanks uh, for your company as well. Thanks to Declan Gallagher for uh, joining us. And uh, we are back to do it all over again uh, tomorrow night. It's going to be uh, Paul and myself and the former Rangers and Scotland skipper, Barry Ferguson, on duty tomorrow night. And we'll look forward to your involvement as ever. 0808 17 17 700 on the texts. It's 7474 and on the socials it's at Go Football Show. From all of us, have a good evening. Bye for now. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.